Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. We've got Andrea today with us. Andrea is an English teacher and she has an amazing career working as a teacher, but also as a tutor. So we're going to be talking today with her about how she balances all these busy days where she's doing both. So I'd like to welcome Andrea. Andrea, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Sid. Thanks for having me on. I'm a little bit tired this time of year, but I think that's uh, everyone at the minute. It's been a strange old year. Mm. Do you want to tell us a bit about you and what your subjects are and how you got into teaching? Well, I've been teaching 17 years, so a long time now. Every time I say that, I feel old. I've always been an English teacher. Dabbled in a little bit of French and history because I also have a French degree. But English tends to have swallowed up most of my time. And in that time, I've led key stages at both Key Stage 4, Key Stage 5. I've been second in department. And I also had a successful career leading English trainees in a training school. And that was what I did when I lived in the south of England. So I've had quite a variety of different jobs, but it was mostly within training and in A-level and GCSE teaching where I sort of cut my cloth. But then I increasingly over the years, I just became, well, I have become a bit more disillusioned with the curriculum. And I don't know if it's a combination of Mm. age, having done it for a long time and sort of teaching the same old texts over and over, or just the needs of the students appear to be changing. There appears to be more and more resistance to the school system as it stands and also a greater demand on what students are supposed to do for exams. So it's a bit of a perfect storm of frustration, I think, for for students and teachers. It's led me to an increase in my private tuition, which I only started out really as a, probably like a lot of teachers, like a side hustle. And it's just with the pandemic, it's just grown and grown and grown because I've not had to leave, you know, an hour either side really for getting there getting to a student's house or them coming to mine. It's just all, you know, you're online, log in, they come, you say goodbye and another one can come on. And it's not quite the conveyor belt system as that seems, but it means I can do more. And a lot of the students Mm. now feel really, really comfortable with that format. So it's grown a lot this year. Um, as we've become a lot more like we are now talking over a screen and so that's kind of how it's grown but I was always interested must have been about five or six years ago I had a chat with a a friend of mine when the new 2015 curriculum came out about okay how do we this is going to be hard for them how do we do this do we offer sort of little six-week courses for, for them privately that we can do and it just never really got off the ground because I'm a single parent and my children then were really small. So it's always been trying to sort of do the, the ultimate juggle as a, as a working mum, as well as trying to look at 
ways to do education my way. That makes what you're doing even more impressive because you're a single mom, you're handling being a mother, you're teaching full time and you're running a business on this side. So you, you talked about there that over the years you've realised that maybe the way that schools teach are probably not the best approach for the kids currently. How long have you been in the system and what's the key changes that you've seen over the time? I've been in the education system, mainstream and independent. I've taught in both kinds of schools and I've actually taught in a, a hospital school. So that's 17 years all told. It's just more been in the last couple of years, I think, because I had a bit of time when I relocated from the south of England back to Manchester a couple of years ago. It gave me the opportunity to take some time out a little bit and get off the hamster's wheel of the, the busy training school position and the GCC and A-level course leader that I was at my previous school. And I just got a combination of burnout and just felt like I was teaching mm. skills too much. My, my subject had sort of was riding pillion to the skills train, really, that I felt that I was teaching. And I started to lose a lot of my love for it. Uh, as well as being very, very, mm. you know, sort of under a lot of pressure with a couple of the management roles. And I just started to wonder whether this was for me. And so it was a combination of that. And then moving up back up north gave me the opportunity to take a bit of time out. And I spent a bit of time in a hospital school teaching children who are either on, on the wards, on the bedside, which is a very different experience. But also there was a mental health part of the of the school where we taught students who really struggled with mainstream provision and interestingly enough it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger so a lot of these students were you know sort of bright they just had they might suffered from anxiety depression autism ADHD they all tended to sort of go hand in hand a lot of them and they missed quite quite a few bits of school and I found that for them that, that the pressure of this sort of rigid education system really didn't help them at all. And even as a parent, I found as my children are getting to in secondary school now, well, certainly my daughter is, that as quite studious students as they'd have to be, the kids of teachers, they just don't find much joy in schooling like they used to, yeah. uh, certainly like I did. I think a lot of that is a very pressurised curriculum that they have to follow. And some of the joy I've think increasingly has been sucked out of it and it's sort of led me to question where my skills are best based and I think to answer your question about when did I really notice it I think it's just been during the pandemic it's sort of been a bit of a catalyst for a lot of industries yeah. and a lot of reflection for a lot of people and, and no more so than, than yeah. education I just think that it's given us an opportunity to think about how we do education differently. Do you think it's the actual educational curriculum that has altered to the point where it's not as exciting? Or do you think that the way we as a society run, so like kids have now technology at their fingertips, that there's not that much excitement now going to the library or picking up a book as it is scrolling on Instagram or YouTube or things like that. Do you think it's a combination? Perhaps it is a combination of the two, but do you think one is weighing more than the other? I think one runs hand in hand with another, really. There is the issue that there is an instant mm. gratification that comes from seeing everything on a screen, yeah. uh, having these sort of adult devices. You've got the world in the palm of your hand and there's there's young people who are supposedly digital natives, as we call them, but actually their ability to navigate the digital world is not as intuitive as we might think. So I think there is a lot of that. And the children that I teach tend to be a lot more impatient in terms of what they would like and, mm. and how. And I think that idea of hard graft with some students and just seeing sometimes putting things in for the sake of it is really difficult for some of their minds to be able to appreciate and I also know with my son, who's a massive gamer, and I've learned a lot about gaming. 
and that that world and, and the way the pace and the way that they learn in the gaming world has, has got a and the size of that industry appears to be something that captivates young people a lot of young people in a way that that learning doesn't yet the amount of skills and learning that they're doing and the amount of um, links with what we teach in the curriculum is huge and it's just about we're not just moving at such a pace I just wonder whether it is a combination of life moving very fast for our young people and I wrote a post about Mm. this online the other day is it our sort of Dickensian education system still where we put children into boxes for English and boxes for maths and teach them these skills to get through this examinations hurdle, which doesn't appear to be very relevant for any of the fields that a lot of people go into now, and certainly maybe the fields that our students will be going into. So there's a certain obsolescence perhaps to the system as it is now, but also I think it's catalyzed by some of the digital age perhaps that we're in and the you know mm. the instant gratification that they can get and just while you were talking about that the the gaming industry and it might be in the future that the education and the gaming industry do actually meet halfway and we do have a lot of the learning through gaming because kids pick up so much so quickly when they're playing games and yet there's not that same sort of excitement when they're actually learning and I know there's lo- loads of organizations and companies that are actually working at gamifying a lot of the educational curriculum. Let's go back to your day to day, because I want to talk about what it is like juggling all of the crazy things that you do, because teaching is full time. And I remember when I was a teacher, I-, I did run a business on the side as well, but it wasn't as intense. And especially during my training year, I put my business on pause because I couldn't deal with the intensity of, uh, of the year. So how are you managing to do all of that and still be sane and look all put together as well? <laughs> like, how are you managing to like keep everything juggling? When you initially asked me to do this podcast, that was a few mm. weeks ago. And I'm, I'm not sure how well I was managing then because I was teaching for the, the, the tags, the teacher assess grades. So exams by another name and having to mark them and turn them around really, really quickly. And I had nine tuition sessions a week because I had lots of hungry, wow. suddenly very hungry year 11s who were wanting to, you know, sort of prepare themselves for these sudden exams as well as my regular tutees. I was just struggling to say no because people were just wanting, probably like a lot of listeners would probably appreciate, wanting that, that support and that help. Uh, and also part of you feels quite flattered. Like, oh, well, another student. Fantastic. I must admit, I didn't really find it very, very easy at all. I would be coming home. So I've deliberately not got any responsibility as such at my school that I've been at for about a year now. I've deliberately taken a step back from any sort of leadership role because I've decided I think this is where I want to go. So I have been able to come home fairly early and try and then do my online tuition around my own children and I've been very lucky one of the reasons I moved back up to Manchester was to have some parental support and so whilst my son's still finishing primary school my mum and dad help making sure that he goes to school and they bring him home and with my dog they dog sit as well if I'm in the middle of a session or my you know my daughter's come back from school I can have those mini pauses at the end of an hour I'm only upstairs in my sort of attic and it, it does mean that I can nip down like before now juggle making the dinner then, you know, going back on to do something. And it's certainly been a different kind of stress Mm. rather than the stresses I used to have teaching when I had my other jobs and I'd be working in the evenings, planning lessons or planning training sessions. This is of my own making. This is, there's something a little bit more motivating Mm. about that. I could at any point say, no, I can't do that tonight or I've got this on. 
and I can do that. And so I've found that while some of the stress is quite you know, sort of recognizable from previous times when I've been working, it's stress that I value. And I realize I've got to put myself through in a way to sort of get to a point where I'm buoyant enough to be able to then think about what my next steps are with regards to full-time teaching. And I think it's quite liberating when you realise that you're building your future business that's going to give you the flexibility to kind of work the way that you want to work and work around your family. So in a typical day, I'm assuming you wake up really early in the morning. What does your typical day look like? Like What time do you get up and then what time are you getting back and where are you still fitting in like the marking for the school? Because I'm assuming there's still quite a lot that you have to do. And what time are you going to bed? Like, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, a typical day involves getting up anywhere between quarter to six and six in the morning. If I've got time, I'll take the dog for a little tour outside just to do his business. And then it involves getting up, obviously showering, making lunches for the kids and myself, going off to to work via my parents' house to drop off dog and boy and then heading into Manchester. Obviously then to go to work and then getting to work about half past seven-ish, quarter to eight, preparing myself for the day. I teach at a tough school. It's an inner city academy. So you've always got to be the most energetic person in the room. So in terms of what I'm planning and what I'm delivering, the quantity of marking is not what it has been in previous jobs, comprehensives or, pro- or independent schools before, where there'd be reams of work. This is energetic, but the output sometimes from the students isn't as great as it could be in other schools. Having said that, it's very entertaining and very rewarding working with these mm. young people. And so that takes me to sort of the end of the day. I usually try and race away as quickly as possible after doing any tidying up, sorting out any incidents that tend to happen. And then I come home and I'm tutoring about three or four days a week. Some days it can be two or three sessions. And that usually happens between sort of half four and half six. And then it's dinner. And then it's a bit of prep for the next day. And trying to juggle things like, taking the children here or there my dad helps me out a lot but walking the dog so it does tend to then be that by the time I've done life admin after my tuition and done a little bit of tidy up with that it's bed but it is it is good the only thing that I sometimes do struggle with is finding that time to reflect and develop and think okay what are my next steps where am I sort of going next and it's been Great Mm. sometimes in some of the holidays this year to the holiday periods and during a little bit of lockdown to have a little bit of that time to network and connect sort of with people like yourself and and, and other people who are either further ahead in their journey in terms of doing education in their own way Mm. or are doing something slightly different or similar and just to be inspired and encouraged by those people to go yes there are people out there that want you and that want your expertise and you know just keep going and keep channeling away and it's really encouraged me this year that I sometimes think I've got to just have this flat out year so that next year I can scale down on the teaching which I am to be able to put steps in place Mm. to grow what I want to do you know as much as the tuition I enjoy there are other things that I would like to do as well And hopefully I'll have a little bit of time next year to do that and work out if I can make up not only that, but hopefully increase my my teaching salary um, as well. So I've got rough ideas about where I'm going sort of in the next year and what I'd like to do. But I do need that time to be able to reflect. So I'm not up, dog, shower, Mm. school, tuition, kids, bed. 
it's <laughs> it's 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 quite you know busy busy day so do you find that during school holidays that you do actually stop the tutoring as well and you're using that time to to do the business side of stuff and the, the planning rather than the actual delivery is that what you're finding you're doing at the moment yes and no a little bit more easter and in february half term but obviously as the summer comes around as well in this half term just gone in May uh, I really could have done with a break but I didn't I went away with the children we went camping we went back down south to see some family we haven't seen mm. obviously for months because of the pandemic and friends who we used to to, to live by by the sea so yeah it, it's it is still that ultimate juggle between family life but we all know teaching is a very stressful job and then trying to spend the time and you know to reflect and build on um an embryonic business idea that, that I've got going forward. So a lot of people listening to this are probably parents anyway, and they'll recognise a lot of that that sort of constant push and pull of, of guilt and progress and, and, and that, that seems to sort of go with you wherever you go as a parent. So you're at the point where you've decided that it is the tutoring that you want to pursue. I think you've spoken about how you reached that conclusion and you've realised that you want to do your own thing. But what kind of advice would you give to someone that is still kind of oohing and ahhing and they're not quite sure, they don't know whether tutoring might be able to support them? What advice would you give? Like, what kind of steps would you say to them that it's good to take these steps to get closer to the vision that you're trying to achieve? Well, I think anybody, regardless of whether it's tuition or starting out in any business, nobody knows if it's going to sustain them. I think that's part of the thing. Mm. What I've tried to learn is that teachers always, we're very safe. That's one of the reasons, I suppose, why we're, we're drawn to it. We weren't affected by the pandemic. We, you know, had a salary. And it's sort of shaking off that sort of safe, approach to work and sort of trying to be a little bit a bit risky and believing in yourself and what you've got to offer is the first thing I spent a long time thinking I'm not sure I can fit this in I'm not sure I can do this will I make enough money whereas this year I've just decided to go for it mm. and it is starting to pay off but also another thing that I I would recommend doing is sort of doing the maths as such and working out how much do I need to earn to make this either a viable side hustle so I can juggle it around my job or how much do I need to earn to then start thinking, oh, hang on, there's room for more here. And that's what I did as well right from the, the start this year mm. rather than just doing bits and pieces of tutoring in the, in the past, I've started to go, right, let's keep a log of what I'm spending, let's keep a log of what I'm earning, work through this so that I can see how viable this is. And it's been more lucrative and more doable than I could have um, imagined. But I do think a lot of that has only been because of the ability to do it digitally as well. And I think that does mean that anybody wanting to start mm. out tutoring, even now, who's not done the face-to-face -face before, will find that this is a much quicker and easier way to try and monetize what they're doing. So Andrea, you came to the learning workshop on nurturing audiences. Uh, what did you kind of take away from that that you found really useful? Two things, really. The first thing was, wow, there's a whole world of marketing and, and building yourself and getting yourself out there that is not something that teachers are used to. But that doesn't necessarily mean to say that mm. it's not exciting, but it can seem to be a bit daunting, which is why obviously the workshop seemed to put me in the right direction. As an English teacher, I thought, oh, I can write content. I can put myself out there but as I found out mm. on your course there are ways and means of doing that as an educator and so it's it's discovering and this is what's exciting I'm in my 40s and it's discovering these new platforms and these new ways of doing things 
that don't involve a school. And that was one of the there was one of the good things is hearing about how to sort of market yourself online and how to do it in a way that doesn't take up a lot of time. And it was you showed us a lot of shortcuts, a lot of ways to plan content before we write it. And mm. what I've learned from that is, you know, very quickly because I'm an English teacher and obviously I, I write is writing engaging content and finding that it is getting traction. I've not done as much recently as I wanted to because of some of the things I was saying before about GCSEs mm-hmm. and things, but it, it mm. is enjoyable to write them. And I have been getting an increasing amount of engagement. If not sort of at this stage, it's not about conversion into clients yet because I, you know, I'm full, but it's nice to sort of be able to have yeah. those philosophical and sort of opinion-based conversations with people or just for people to be able to read certain things that's shorter than a blog. It's just a post that might help them to engage with some ideas about education that they might have thought of themselves or just to reassure them. And I tend to just jot a few things down as I go along. And I like the idea of having something around an image so I've learned quite a few things and I've ended up quite enjoying the creative part of me writing some posts. And I think this is what's exciting about when you're setting up a business because you have an idea of thinking that you know what you need to do. So I've been running businesses for around 15 years now and the education side for about uh, 11. And I've realized that I'm still learning new ways of doing things because there's just so much to learn when it comes to business or anything for that matter. Even education, I'm still learning new content. And I think especially when you find something that you enjoy, which this sounds like the content side you're enjoying, it's really exciting. And it's great that you're getting traction because it's about building you as an expert so that when you do kind of advertise a free slot, it gets sold out really quickly and it gets booked up really quickly. So what are your plans for kind of going forward to September? Because I know you're trying to reduce your hours in school. Are you then going to also be starting groups and exploring with HomeEd? All of those things, really, that you've just mentioned. So I've just had my request for part-time granted. So I've got a combination of the mm. fear of making up my salary as a single parent that I'm not, I'm not having from losing a day a week, but also trying to build on, again, that idea about how much do I need to make to be able to do this? So it's not just a leap in the dark. I, you know, even with my existing base of tutors, I can make up my salary more or less in a, in a year. So that's been quite encouraging when, when I did that. But I want to do more than that. So I do want to try and engage with home education for the reasons that I said at the top of the podcast about trying to be more creative with how I can deliver um, my subject knowledge. I'm a good teacher, And I just feel that um, it's a bit reductive the way I'm teaching at the moment. I've got a lot of expertise, a lot of knowledge. There's so many different ways that I can bring more of my knowledge into teaching students in an engaging sort of thematic way. And and that's kind of where I'd like to sort Mm. of get stuck in as well and uh, into sort of home ed in that sense and helping to help those students who can learn in different kinds of ways but also bringing what I enjoy to education. I enjoy linguistics because I speak French as well. And I've, um, my background has been in teaching linguistics a lot at A-level. So that's something that um, is largely absent from the key stage three and four curriculum. 
So there's got lots of ideas thinking about things. Well, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? Because those two things, you know, will automatically be more popular and trying to do that within groups or individuals or courses. But I've also picked up recently Mm. some copywriting. I've enjoyed um, from writing the content, obviously, in my own posts, but also writing content for a top end sort of holiday house and top end holiday hut. So it's a company, it's a friend of mine, their company has sort of five-star holiday lets it's not even in the sector so it's not even education related it's it's not and it's just been something that I found because of my writing being a teacher and I'm finding already that the way I'm planning my content and I'm taking I'm trying to do a couple of like online courses for for copywriting I've found as well that I can bring some of my own writing and planning and editing when I'm writing copy and I'm doing content to how I teach. And so I do think that, as they say, every day is a school day. So even if I'm doing something not technically in education, I'm still, as teachers always do, it's always bringing it back, thinking, okay, well, I've just done this and it's been successful. How can I scaffold that and and maybe teach that? Because writing is a notoriously difficult thing for students to teach and for students to, to feel accomplished at. So it's all kind of going in different directions at the minute and it's all quite exciting really yeah and all those skills that you're learning and the the inside knowledge that you're going to get by working in the copywriting kind of sector you can can call it um you can feed that back into your students and give it that real life kind of structure and you can talk about what you've done and how you get work and how you work to briefs and all of this and i think that that enriches what you teach I feel like a lot of teachers, including myself, like you go into becoming a qualified teacher without getting any industry experience in any other kind of sector. And then you can't really relate. Like you can talk about the science, but you can't really say, oh, in research, they do this and they do that. So I think it's really nice when you've got experience in a, in a different industry and you can bring it in. It's directly linked to what you're doing because it gets kids excited. They're like, oh, you're going to be writing for, for another company. And it gets them in- interested because I'm sure you'll have students that want to go in and become journalists or they want to become writers and, and go into that kind of uh, sector. So it might be that you you end up doing tutoring part-time and you have a, a writing gig on the side and, and you're working on that. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that at the minute, and I was always played it safe, being a parent, and I think teachers do play it safe. It's just the fact that I'm starting to feel like I'm having, in my 40s, a bit of a renaissance and a bit more belief in myself that I wish I'd had about 10 or... 15 years ago and the key thing that drives me with hope tuition and that, that I haven't mentioned really and that that's sort of the backbone of why it's called hope is I really want to try and with the more monetized sides of what I'm trying to do mm. to plan more functional literacy for students who essentially are neats or those who are young offenders or women's refuges the homeless people that tend to fall through the gaps in society because teaching in a school that's 95% non-white British, 60% free school meals, I really see the task that is ahead of of trying to make disadvantaged students have an advantage in life and to Mm. to try and encourage and support them in in, in the best way. And I do sometimes worry about what happens to those year 11s that do go off without those difficult skills. And I for one um, um, would like to be able to do something about that and what and I've been in touch with a friend of mine who you know who could support me in trying to do that but that's more philanthropic and at the end of the mm. day I still need to put 
food on the table and renovate my house, as I was telling you. That's something that I think is on the back burner for maybe four or five years down the line if I've got enough of a base with what I'm doing so that I can do something a little bit more worthwhile, I think, in, in terms of helping those most disadvantaged. And I think all teachers, we're naturally nurturers and we want to go and help. And I think this is why we find it so difficult to kind of ask families to pay us what we are worth, right? We find it really difficult because we want to give and we want (laughs) to give and we want to give. And ultimately, we want to change lives through education. And I think that's basically all of our vision and we just have different ways of doing it and different ways of achieving that. So it's great that you've got this idea already quite early on where you are trying to put that into motion. And as you kind of grow your business, it will all kind of fit into place. But it sounds really exciting where you are. And uh, I look forward to seeing how where you're going to head to in a couple of years' time. But do you have like an ultimate vision? Is there, are you going to set up an agency? Are you going to be employing tutors? Like what is it that you want to achieve with Hope? I don't know, you know, I hear about people saying that, you know, you need a, you need a clear vision and you need a, we need to know where you're going to be. And I think it, at the minute it kind of wavers a little bit between different, I'm at that sort of starting stage. And I am still glued to the idea of doing more sort of social enterprise, so helping more people gain more literacy, whether it be through qualifications or whether it just be through appreciations of, of, of literacy or helping, you know, widen their reading. The remit is quite is quite wide, really, with what I'd like to do with that. Anything that gives people hope and a sense of, I suppose, self-esteem growth with, with just through literacy is something that I would like to do, whether it's helping people build CVs or apply for jobs if they're homeless, or whether it's helping people who are on apprenticeships improve their functional skills in literacy. So there's, there's a few things that's still sort of at the heart of what I want to do, but I've also found that I'm really loving doing copywriting as well and enjoying sort of being very tenacious as writers are and English teachers are with what I'm doing and then at the same time thinking about what could I teach and how I could teach it and the fact that I'm sort of slowly taking the shackles off of mainstream education and thinking well what can I do where do I go next so the vision is there but I think it's got lots of different aspects to it and I'm hoping that along the way they'll kind of all join and make sense and be able to support each other all comes from the same place as you were saying about wanting to help people and i think over the next few years you're going to grow so much as a person as well as you as you were saying as the shackles come off because it takes a good few years to get out of the school mode of doing things and especially when you've been in the education system so long that it'll take you a length of time to get out of that frame of thinking and then once you're out of it and you're able to then be completely creative and and kind of touch base with your inner child and then you'll be like coming up with so many ideas and I think that's when everything's going to start coming together and I wasn't in the system for very long but I went into teaching quite young and what it meant was I'd always been in education my entire life without any gap and then getting rid of that way of thinking is so difficult it's so difficult and it did take me a long time because when I first started doing, because I started doing group stuff and I'd do worksheets and I'd make it very much like school. <laughs> and I thought, I don't need to be doing this, but I couldn't think of how else to do it. And I guess right now at this moment in time, there's so many resources, so much support, so much kind of inspiration of looking up at people and kind of having that inspiration around you. And it's what I talk about, like having five people in your life that are going to be inspiring you and kind of pushing you forward to to kind of embrace what you can achieve because sometimes 
especially when you're in the teaching sphere, they don't necessarily understand the the fire that you have in you because they're like, oh, teaching is safe, <laughs> especially if they don't want to leave. And they see it as a very safe place to be. And, and I still get teachers ask me, would you go back? And I'm like, no, <laughs> of course I wouldn't, because they don't understand. And if you've got that entrepreneurial spark and the spark to make a difference, I think it's a different mindset. But to completely come out of the reins of the education system takes some time. So I think you've got a few years of really exciting growth coming forward and you'll realize lots of new things along the way and you'll pick up things and you'll learn from people and that makes it really exciting. I've loved the last sort of six seven months since I've really started to move this forward and networking and and meeting people like yourself and other people who are in education and education business development who are Mm. further along and and it just seems that there's a growing willingness with teachers to to broaden the horizons a little bit and there seems a bit more of a you know without changing the fundamental principles of why they are a teacher it's been great talking to you and and hearing about your journey and hearing about the amazing stuff that you're doing and how you're coping i don't know how you do it um you're doing so much i'm I'm not sure either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it'll pay off. It'll pay off when you've set up a big empire and then you'll be like, it was worth that time that I put in. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking part, Andrea. It's been amazing. And how can people get hold of you if they want to find out more about what you do? Well, I'm on Facebook at the minute at Hope Tuition. Again, it's not very built up at the minute because I'm just, as you know, I've been treading water mostly. I've got an embryonic website that I'm going to try and build over the summer. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I think it's amazing to share your story. And and for others, there's loads of people that will be in a similar position. And for people to hear stories, I think they can relate to and they can kind of have a little bit of hope that uh, they're on the right track and that they also will be able to see your journey as well and, and, and to see what you're doing. So thank you so much for taking part, Andrea. Thank you, Sid. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.